I'm April West. And I'm Katherine Sigblad. We're both first-time moms who are passionate about following our intuition and not afraid to do things differently. To say we question everything is an understatement. If you find yourself analyzing ingredient labels, searching for holistic alternatives to pharmaceuticals and routine practices, and you're curious about all things baby wearing, bed sharing, and postpartum, you will feel right at home here. In this podcast, we fearlessly confront the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum industries, share our mom hacks, and never stop challenging the status quo. We simplify the approach to motherhood and trust in nature. We are moms off the record. Welcome to another episode of Moms Off the Record. You have April and Kat here as always. And today we have a rather unplanned episode. We just have some free time here at 9 p.m. after our babies are finally asleep. And we are going to talk about postpartum expectation versus reality. So we'll get into our experiences. We'll talk about what was shared with us about what postpartum would feel like and then the stark difference to what it actually felt like. So we'll get into all of that. So thank you. We have our we have our nighttime voices on, <laughs> or at least I feel like I do. Do you ever remember Kat listening to Delilah? I do. Yeah. I only listened to it. So I remember when I was seven and I was visiting my paternal grandparents who actually also lived in the Tampa Bay area and they always listened to it. But I remember thinking it was so, like I even knew at the age of seven, like it was corny, like the music yeah. and the voices, but that that's a core memory from the late it 90s. Is. Did you yeah, listen to it regularly? Yes. Like anytime I was driving after 9 p.m., it was I just loved the way her like <laughs> soothing nighttime heavy voice felt. So is she still alive? I have no idea. I haven't been back in the area. And when's the last time you listened to the actual radio? Never. Right. <laughs> it's like podcast or <laughs> yeah. Lately it's like worship music for me. I don't know. So. That is funny, But yeah, yeah, postpartum. Yeah. Wow. What a what oh, a whirlwind that was, right? Seriously. And you know what? I hate when people think that postpartum is just the fourth trimester, the first 12 weeks after you have the baby. Because to me, it still feels like I'm in a postpartum zone. It's obviously looks so different now than it did after the first month. But I think postpartum should just be like the first year. What do you think? I agree. I mean, I think this is like the first stage where you can look back to your birth as a new woman. Mm-hmm. And you didn't expect all of the mental and emotional transformation that happened. People will tell you like, oh, you're going to be a different woman. But until you actually cross that boundary, you have no idea what to expect. And so those early postpartum days are the first days where you look back on your birth and you're like, oh, my God, I did that. And oh, my God, I have this brand new baby. And how the hell am I going to keep it alive? <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, the physical changes too that nobody warns you about. Like mm-hmm. I knew going into it that I would look very pregnant, like still nine months pregnant, maybe up to a week postpartum. That's what I naively thought. But wow, like your mm-hmm. body goes through such transformations and so rapidly. So, mm-hmm. okay. Should we start with maybe like what that first week postpartum is like and then just all right go into chunks after that so what all right what was it like for you what comes to mind 
So the first week, I, I feel like it was, I called it my bliss bubble. So, you know, we had the, the baby here and we originally had plans to have my dad come visit and Hunter's mom come visit to help with the like postpartum support. You're going to need somebody to help you. And I remember after like day two, looking at Hunter and being like, I don't want anybody to come here because we're figuring it out. Like he just snapped into dad mode immediately, like super dad. Cause I was bound to the bed for like five days, but he had snapped into dad mode, like cleaning the house, feeding the dogs, making all of our meals, running them up the stairs to me, you know, all the things changed every single diaper in the very beginning. And I just remember like, we've got this figured out and I don't want anyone disrupting this. And I don't know if it was like this for you with Julian, but like, I also felt this really strong sense of protection. Like I don't want anybody to even look at my baby, (laughs) let alone hold her. Like she's mine, give her back. And then when Hunter would hold her, I'd be like, I want her back, you know? So that was kind of a crazy, I did not expect that like mama bear. I always like hated seeing those cups with like, you know, the calligraphy, like mama bear, papa bear. (laughs) However, mama bear instinct immediately. So did you you feel that kind of like innate protection and like boundary? Oh, absolutely. So, okay. My, I will say though, from what you're describing, I feel like my first week was quite different. Well, because I was also recovering from a very traumatic birth experience and trying to put that in my surgery. Oh yeah. Like a surgery I definitely didn't want. So like at the same time, all you could, and you and I talk about this all the time, all you can do with everything now, like when, especially when you're in the survival mode and the throes of motherhood, you have to just move forward. Right. So Mm -hmm. I didn't even have time to process it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had to put that in my rear view mirror And, Mm. but I'm also like in physical pain. So I think I wasn't expecting just how much discomfort and physical pain I was going to be in for weeks afterwards Mm -hmm. while trying to make sure I'm feeding on demand, you know, sleeping when the baby's sleeping. We, I definitely needed my mom at the house in addition to Eric because I wanted him to be rested too, because Mm. I was really like not that mobile and I I wanted to heal. So my mom was like making all our food after that first week than Eric was. But I, this is so wild to me. I had visions while I was pregnant, like, oh, of course, you know, dad is going to help with a lot of the diaper changing, but I'll chip in too. Dude, Eric changed every single Mm -hmm. diaper for the first eight days. And you know, I knew that I knew that newborns poop a lot. I didn't realize it would be like every two hours around the clock. Um, so and we didn't expect, or at least for me, yeah. when people describe meconium poop. Oh, right. Woof. Yo, those things. Hunter had a live one with Eden mm. in those first like two days. Wait, what does that mean? He, a live one? Yeah. So he went to like change a pee diaper. Yeah. And then he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And immediately just the sludge, you know, meconium poops, like yeah. thick tar. And he's like, yeah. I just watched it pour out. Oh of my, that is so <laughs> wild. Like, your heart. So speaking of which went well, when Julian was born, Eric, because he was in the operating room, he witnessed a meconium poop bubble coming out. 
So here's the thing. I actually have the pleasure of only ever seeing those nice, like yellow seedy yeah. breast fed poops. The popcorn milk. Yeah. Eric had the pleasure of seeing all the colors of the rainbow before that. So I felt, honestly, I felt a little insecure in a way that first week because I felt like, wow, I, I'm just lying here in bed while yeah. Eric is, you know, do, you know, taking care of Julian, which I was so freaking grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky with Eric's job. He actually got to, like, what was it? 20 weeks of paid paternity leave. 20 that he, weeks? Yes. That did not. So he didn't even have to use it all up front. It didn't, like, it doesn't have an expiration date, so he can use it whenever. So, but he's also director level. So he can't just, he, he wouldn't, he'd would be out of a job if he took it all up yeah. front. So he took just the first four to no, five weeks, I think, consecutive. And mm-hmm. then he would take a few days off here and there. So I had him at home with me for five weeks, which I think makes a huge difference. Thinking back to the early early 90s. I know dad's got like barely a day off. And I can't imagine having a baby with like just with zero support. So I will say though, I've never been someone who needs a ton of sleep. Like I function really well on just about six hours. But that initial week, I will say of like you're getting up every two hours to feed on demand, it's it's intense. And so I could tell my moods were changing on top yeah. of the hormonal changes. What about for you? I I think because I think that has a lot to do maybe with like your whole recovery from the cesarean because mm-hmm. I had a very different experience. And I also operate now <laughs> as a mom on like hardly any sleep. And when you say sleep when the baby sleeps, I just laugh out loud. Yeah, so unrealistic. Oh yeah, so unrealistic. And I never could because I just found myself like looking at her and just wanting to like watch her sleep. So I didn't have that. I just felt, I felt this outpouring of like love that I could not describe. It just felt overwhelming and I would just weep at anything. And, you know, you think you love your husband and then you watch your husband like change these poopy diapers or you just watch him like he did try swaddling Eden in those first couple of days. She broke out and we kind of quit early, but just like watching him try that sort of thing for the first time or watching him hug her or trying to like calm her down. Like, oh my God, that stuff just like makes your heart just pour out of love. Yes. So for me, I, I, of course, my body, you know, I had to recover some because we know about my dysfunctional pushing and all that. But I didn't feel – I just felt so good. I just felt mm. so hopped up on oxytocin, whatever, that it for me, I just was in that bliss bubble forever, forever and, in a day. And it felt know, amazing. I think that really goes to show how important it is that you have like a positive birth experience. It's not like Dr. Stu said, right? It's not just about having a live baby in the bassinet. And that's Mm -hmm. so much like that could really summed up, I feel like my 72 hour labor and the Mm -hmm. pitocin and epidural because intellectually, right? And even emotionally, I did also feel that outpouring of love. Of course, like I love my baby boy, my son. I'm so excited, right? He was wanted. But the, the whole postpartum experience, I would say like the first three months, well, especially the first couple of weeks, it I don't think, I definitely wasn't feeling the oxytocin. And I was coming off of 
the Pitocin, right? So it was somatic. So it does make me sad looking back because I know it could have been a a very different experience where I was like, you know, up and at it and more functional. And so it's really hard to explain, right? Because I don't want anyone to like misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm very grateful and like loving of my son. But I was grappling with that feeling, like being so excited that he's finally here after waiting for him for so many months. But also like just kind of, I was in a funk. It wasn't- Trying to process you know? your traumatic birth. Yeah. It's yeah. Like dichotomy. It's like this one yes. of love and excitement and joy. And then this other of like, you had mentioned it too. It feels like almost like a failure to some degree. Yes. I didn't get to have the birth I wanted. So I imagine that's really- challenging to be in both avenues at once. Yes. And then I felt like because of that, everything else was on a pedestal. There was so much pressure and anxiety. Like I was like, well, then I have to get breastfeeding right. And I was like, thank God I have Gladys. I have CLT. But you know, like on day four of engorgement, I remember just crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. And like, if if I also fail at this, then I'm just a complete failure. And we know that's not true. And I didn't fail at breastfeeding, but it's just, it's, it is interesting how we had such different postpartum experiences. I don't think I really came out of my funk, honestly, until I felt like I got more in my body. Like I was able to drive again and like Mm -hmm. take really, really long power walks in the stroller. Like I felt more like my active old self and I started looking like myself again. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I just, it felt like I was looking down at myself and I was this person I didn't really recognize, just Mm. trying to like float above water, go through the motions because you and I are perfectionists and I wanted to do everything the right way and be the best mom. But um, it also just was taking a toll, I feel like. So, you know. So talking about kind of coming back to ourselves, of course, I I still – don't feel and it's funny because I'll see like Instagram memories or whatever and I'll look back and be like damn who is that hottie because that ain't me anymore (laughs) but I do remember and I remember writing it down so and I encourage all moms to do this whether you're a journal person or not like I started an iPhone notes of just like early days what I'm feeling what is Eden doing like I just wanted to keep a log of all of this beautiful stuff that I was experiencing and I remember it must have been like day four or five where I could actually like get up out of bed and Hunter had eaten enough time for me to wash my face for the first time since giving birth like proper regimen and I was like this feels so good because for the first couple of days like you're in that survival mode and it's all about baby and you're just like a boob 27 and you know for me the healing like I'm waddling to the bathroom I'm still wearing like those big ass diapers and like four pads and changing those out all the time so that first time where I like got to wash my face I was like oh my god I feel like a whole new woman yeah so that little thing cool yeah the little things we take for granted. And uh, well, okay, so some other maybe weird things that happened or things we didn't expect, didn't think about is it's kind of just easier to walk around topless if you think about it, right? Just oh, like yeah. without a shirt on. So many, many days would look like this. I would just be wearing like the postpartum underwear, you know, yeah. and like really, really baggy pants because I didn't want anything touching my incision. 
And I kind of just felt like a hooligan, just like I'm walking around with no top on. I got these yeah. like old ass, like grandpa sweatpants. <laughs> I always envision like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to look so cute and just have like a little, you know, postpartum mm. bump and I'll be wearing like no. a silk robe. It's so unrealistic because no. when you're feeding on demand and your baby Nothing. can't hold their head up on their own, why would you want to struggle with, okay, sure, on, off, on, off. So that that's the other thing is that's why it's so important when you are having visitors. I didn't think about this either. I learned about in my childbirth education class, visitors, unless it's like your immediate family you're super close with, they're coming with food and to help with the you and the baby, Chores, they shouldn't yeah. be visiting for more than like 15 minutes at a time because it's really awkward for like a neighbor or, you know, a not so close friend to come overstay their welcome. You're trying to feed the baby on demand. You're trying to figure out breastfeeding. You're way too tired to talk. So I think it's really important to keep your postpartum bubble really small and intimate. I agree 100%. Right? And I was walking around just bazooka boobs too because yeah. of the engorgement base. And I'm like, I'm not putting anything on because I'm just going to have to fool around with it when I'm tired or when yeah. she's tired. And and we're like, for me, the, the breastfeeding journey, as you know, from the Gladys episode was a little dysfunctional because of all the ties. And the one feeding position that we seemed to really work was the sideline. Yes. And so like, I'm not worrying about putting on a shirt or whatever. However, yeah. <laughs> the first night, actually the first two nights, I was like, how do you sleep with a newborn, like co-sleep with your newborn? How do you bed share with a newborn when they're that yeah. like small and fragile? So I had one of those nursing tank tops from being pregnant, like the kind that have the big belly. Yeah. And I just put her in between my boobs in that tank top. <laughs> we slept for the first two nights, which was also yeah. like, I think that's why I was just overflowing because I'm like heart to heart with my newborn baby. It was amazing. I so. will say it is so one of the coolest things. And it's so surreal. Like when you finally get to see their little features, you know, like, oh, that's what their little fingers look like in their nose and their mouth. Because maybe you had an idea of what they would look like before they were born. Or like, you think from the ultrasound, they'll look one way. But it's so surreal. Like, whoa, this is half me, half you. Like, duh, we all know that. But yeah. I can't even How's explain. It yeah. Right. It's, I can't even put into words how surreal it is when you see your baby. And it's almost like you have to do a double take and a triple take. Like, oh my God, you're really here. That's you. Like you look like this. And, and I remember all of their, like how well developed they were, like every detail, yes. like even the little wrinkles on their toes <laughs> and their fingers. I was like, how do you have this already? You perfect little angel. Yeah. It was yes. crazy. Like Polly pocket sized. Um, okay. What else was unexpected? Okay. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about postpartum depression because I feel like yeah. at the OB office or even your midwives, they're going to set expectations that, you know, I, I don't remember the statistics, like one in three women experience postpartum depression and like on the back of the bathroom door, they'll have like, if you experience this, like that's, that's postpartum depression. Did you tell me about that? Cause you had mentioned a little bit, like kind of battling that dichotomy of being really joyful, but also trying to process this traumatic birth. So what did you, how would you define postpartum depression for you? Yeah. Well, I know that postpartum depression is definitely more serious than the baby blues and almost every woman, not everyone, but many women get the baby blues. Mm -hmm. so the baby blues don't go away after the first, and it's just kind of like an overall mopiness or just sadness. You can't really put your finger on it, which is normal from the hormone fluctuations. I definitely have the baby blues the first few weeks 
I did not postpartum depression because to me, from what I understand, it's like, you start to have like more scary intrusive thoughts. That can be one symptom. I not once did I have intrusive thoughts like, and I wasn't so sad that I couldn't like function. It was more like, ah, just kind of, you know, when you're having like a crappy day, it's rainy outside, nothing's really going your way. It was more like that. Yeah. Um, You didn't have the instinct or urge to like hurt yourself or hurt your baby. Never, never, never. You never felt like I'm not connected to my baby. No, I felt very connected to Julian always. It was almost more like I just kind of felt crummy about myself. And it wasn't Mm. so severe that I was like, I don't want to see anyone or talk to anyone. In fact, I was reaching out to a lot of girlfriends that I had from like Austin and Portland who had babies already and kind of just to be like, hey, like, is this normal? Like, did you also feel this way? And a lot of them were like, oh yeah, like that's, that, that's pretty common the first couple of weeks. To me though, postpartum, now that I think about it, postpartum depression, I think part of it is the hormone fluctuations, which the progesterone, you know, and estrogen that are just like a, on a roller coaster, especially after your placenta is removed. We all know that. Yeah. But I do think a lot of it has to do with culture and also the level and quality of support women are getting. So you and I both had very supportive husbands, fortunately, in communities. But can you imagine if we were either single moms or we had husbands who are workaholics or like one day of paternity leave or just like you fix yourself, like I can see myself having postpartum depression if that was the case. Yeah. No, I I think that's a huge factor. And I think that's one of the blessings of having babies when you're more established, more mature, emotionally intelligent and secure in your marriage or your relationship. You know, having Eden when I was 32 years old is a lot different than I think if I were to try and have Eden when I was 22 years old and a 20 something year old, not to say age is everything, but the maturity factor. And like the, there was never the expectation of, well, you're the mom, you do it. Right. Which is so like old school, because I know from speaking to a lot of my mom's peers that, you know, it was very, the husband usually didn't get like a paternity leave. Like that would be laughed at, like what Mm -hmm. paternity? Like you take off just the day your kid's born and you're back at work the next day, you know, and that's so wild to me. So I feel like with the right community support, but also I would just want to say that looking back, because I really clearly expressed my desires and my goals, my wishes to Eric, like this is what I want for breastfeeding. This is how, this is what I want for Julian, et cetera. He was so supportive. He never pushed back. And because he was so supportive, especially with the breastfeeding journey, he never, what I appreciate about him is he never was like, just give him the formula. Like if it wasn't working on day four, like, you know, Mm -hmm. don't beat yourself up. Don't stress. He was like, no, breast, breast Mm -hmm. feeding is the best. You can, he was like, you can do this. And I Uh maybe want to try. He's like, I know you're going to overcome this hurdle. We're going to get Gladys. Don't worry. And I was like, that's so amazing because think about all the partners who aren't supportive of a woman's breastfeeding journey and they just wanted to. They're not bought in. Like they're not bought in or they don't care as much as you care. Yes. So like the same way with the, with the latch dysfunction. And I was just like, of course you're like, I failed. Because you know what I hated hearing it, and when I was pregnant is like, 
have the backup formula just in case, or a lot of women struggle with that. That's they're trying to like normalize it. They're trying to make you feel better, but But what's happening is you're just planting those little seeds of doubt. So then on the other side, when you're having those issues, you're like, fuck it. I failed. I can't do it. I'm I, for whatever reason, my body's not working or, you know, you're, you're failing to realize like you have a brand new baby. And if you're a first time mom, you've never done this before. Your baby's never done this before. So you're you're not having that like graceful period of like, Hey, we're just learning each other. Yeah. We're learning how to keep each other going like baby and mom. But I just remember with our dysfunction with the ties, like she couldn't get that good latch. And I was like, I'm a failure. I can't do it. And what did Hunter do? He's like, didn't your friend take some notes on? Aww. So I, I, that's when I had texted you of like, help, send me your notes. And you Aww. sent me those notes. Those were so great. Good. And then I actually set up the virtual session with Trisha and we had that going. And she, she looked at the latch through the Zoom and she's like, April, that looks amazing. You're doing great. That. Like it's working. And I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. Yes, it's so encouraging and like those things. And I'm sure like you and I, before we got pregnant, we never would have thought like, wow, having a good latch can bring us that much joy. But yes, it's a huge accomplishment, you know? It is. And it's like, it's just this, like, it's the natural progression of things. And it's, it's also like that first victory, like you're mastering something brand new. Because you and I have talked about that before too, where it doesn't take long as a first time mom to build that confidence and then just feel like, dude, I know my baby's cues. I know her cries. I know what she needs. And then you just like, you become the master very quickly. So it was, it's like that first victory where you're like, yeah, this feels good. You know? Yeah. The first big victory. That's so true because I talked about earlier how I just felt a little bit more insecure that first week. Like, oh, I had never even changed my son's diaper. I can't believe that until day eight. And and you start to look to the outside world, like maybe your family for tips on like, how do you give baby's first bath? Because I was like, he's not, I'm not going to let him be bathed in the hospital. So, you know, what's the best way to bathe him? And I was just kind of tiptoeing and I, I felt like, oh, come on, cat, like get with the program. And then after that, I would say after the first week or two, I was like, no, no, no. I know my boy best this is how I like to do things. And now I'm going to be teaching others. And now my confidence has just gone through the roof. Like, right. You and I know what every single laugh and cry means. Like when, when you and Eden were here, you're like, oh, that's her happy noise. And you know, and there's, there's such a spectrum of like sounds they make. And Mm -hmm. we know instantly, like, are they hungry? Are they scared? Cause there's a stranger. Are they happy because it's a stranger? It's like a new language that we learn. It really is a language and it's so cool. Okay. But I thought of something random. Okay. It's a little TMI, but hey, we're moms off the record here. So let's just get at it. Nobody prepared me for just how dry I would feel for months postpartum, bone dry. Okay. Interesting. I don't remember feeling that, but I also remember I had such pelvic floor dysfunction after Right. Like I felt, and maybe this is part of it, but I felt like a numbness. Wow. In fact, when I was going through my little log of like little memories, I was just scrolling through. It was five days after birth that I had my first bowel movement. Wow. And I recorded how that felt. And <laughs> like I'm reading birth. Saying like it was 
first of all, that part is terrifying because you're like, yeah. ah, I'm so scared because it's going to be so like, you know, like you're, gonna you're still hovering down there. Like who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. So I don't remember feeling any dryness, but I definitely remember feeling like numbness. Wow. And I also remember feeling terrified of that first bowel movement because I'm still <laughs> like, you know, very fragile there. So what was more painful, like giving birth or having that first bowel movement? <laughs> Dude, it was months of those bowel movements that were just like, where, what, what is happening to me? Where did this come from? I don't want to get into that too much because it is something different, but I just now started coming off of that, which I think is because I also finally stopped taking my prenatal vitamins. Good. Good. Because I was just going to keep taking them while I was breastfeeding and you're like, actually, if you're eating well. Yes. Because here's my take on prenatals from all the research I've done. And I know that people are going to have wild opinions and thoughts on on what I'm about to say. But the the prenatal supplements, it's, it's just that. It's to supplement any nutritional deficiencies. So if you're already eating a nutrient-dense diet, we all know that you can't overdose on whole real foods. You can only overdose on supplements, right? So And we also know that um, if you're primarily eating a really nutrient-dense diet, you're probably not going to have that many holes in your diet to begin with, right? So Mm. I was pretty confident not doing that. What I do instead, though, would be just beef liver pills from Perfect Supplements. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Perfect Supplements. We love Perfect Supplements. Don't we have have an affiliate with them now? We do, actually, which I'm so excited about because we love their gelatin for making gummies, their collagen. Just pop a scoop, yes, collagen in your coffee. And also their beef liver supplements. So good. So I'm I'm a big fan of liver. We'll have to share that that with our listeners. Yeah, we're going to share that. We'll pop that in. But okay, so the dryness you didn't have, you had numbness. Dude, I was bone dry for months. Like I could be in the mood, whatever, but nothing, just nothing would happen. So when was the first time you felt like you were in the mood? Oh my gosh. Like genuinely felt like it was probably six months postpartum. What about you? Literally six months. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have friends that didn't do anything postpartum until one year. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I sure believe that. Now, wait, I have a question because, okay, so I know how you feel about the prenatals and just sticking to beef liver. Did you do anything with your placenta? I did not, but I'll tell you why. So I feel I have mixed feelings about doing things with it. Well, one, I am upset with myself and I'm not going to cry about it, but like I'm concerned because I know that hospitals will take organs and other body parts that are supposed to be biohazardous and toss, but they will use them, sell them, right? So obviously I have that underlying fear because, you know, I was in the OR. So who knows what really happened with my placenta, but because I had, I, I feel like just like my pregnancy was toxic, ironically, even though I was eating a really nutrient dense diet. So I didn't want to consume my placenta because mm. I felt like it wasn't like the healthiest pregnancy. Mm. But now, if and you I say that because yeah. of your blood pressure, it, like, yeah, and your like lack of activity towards the end there, yeah. yeah, mainly the blood pressure because I know that if the diastolic 
So systolic over diastolic for your blood pressure, right? And once that diastolic number is a little bit too high, which mine was, you know, kind of high-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much higher than my baseline, you know, that there's like the blood is constricted. And so who knows what was going on with the placenta. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm-hmm. probably not the best idea for me to be consuming it. Now, if I had like a thriving, super healthy pregnancy, I've, I definitely wouldn't be against consuming my placenta. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? I mean, I know that you did. And did you feel yeah. a difference? I, so I think I attribute, and who knows, right? There's so many different factors. So yeah, we, my midwife, Amanda, who we had on, she dehydrated it and turned it into the little capsules. And so I actually have two left because I was just too afraid. Like I didn't, it was just like this thing where I didn't want to take those last two because I wanted to keep Mm -hmm. them. I don't know what I'm keeping them for, but I attribute my lack of postpartum depression to having that unmedicated birth for sure because we know about the hormonal concoction i also attribute that to having the placenta pills i believe it and obviously like the supportive husband and and nobody coming into our bliss bubble but i really do think that that made a difference i believe it i don't know the yeah. science behind it not that i care about science yeah, yeah right? honestly i don't care about science or what the evidence says but anecdotally i absolutely believe that there's something to that well, and you think about all the animals in the wild, like if you're a cow, yep. well, I guess if you're a cow, you're not eating, but like a lion or a tiger or whatever, you're like, are they eating, eating their placenta? They are. So, yeah. Well, yeah. They so, have to, otherwise it'll like bring in predators, you know? Okay, so there we go. Yeah. We can mm-hmm. always look back to nature when we're feeling confused, like, oh, what's, what's the best protocol here? Yeah. Nature doesn't make mistakes. All right. So getting back to the order of things, just so we can set some expectations, we talked a little bit about the engorgement phase and we talked a little bit about this on Gladys, so I won't belabor the point, but I will encourage that expressing during that phase is okay. I had like this weird fear of like, don't touch it, just let them go. Because if I, if I try to like milk them, or if I try to use a pump of some sort that I'm going to really screw up the breastfeeding relationship. And I already had that insecurity about the latch. Yes. I will say that when you're that engorged and they're so hard, it's hard for your baby to get a latch anyway. So having a little bit of a hand expression to get some of that out. So there's less volume so they can get a good latch. I just, I remember writing that down in my notes of like, I feel like I'm having some regression with breastfeeding because of the engorgement. And it was because I had this weird fear of like, I don't want to screw it up. I don't want to screw up my supply. Did you? Did, Did I express? Yeah. Or did you have any fears or regression from breastfeeding? Hmm. So I'm trying to think back. Aside from the day four engorgement where like my left boob was just rock solid hard. You only had that for one day? Only one day. Well, Gladys, thank God, she came immediately. Like I emergency called her. She talked me through it over the phone within 12 hours between hand massage, hot shower and ice packs. I was able to get the milk going and then she came the next day. Aside from that, I, she came and she, a couple other times, she like adjusts, she kind of improved Julian's lash. There was never a tie thing going on, but he had a good latch and she made it significantly better. Yeah. yeah. Aside from that, 
no, I feel like I was very prepared for the, I feel like I treated on honestly breastfeeding like I should have with home birth prep. And so the breastfeeding was great. You were ready for that. I was like, not ready for Interesting. I had engorgement for days. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to think back now. Like three and four days. Okay. Well, what? I had engorgement, but it wasn't like preventing me from breastfeeding. It, it not preventing, but making it difficult and like just leaking everywhere oh, for days, yes. days, days. Yeah, yes, like yes, those yes. Dolly Parton huge. Yes. Okay. And you have to wear the bamboobies. So yes, and just seeing all the you know, and then you're like so many sizes bigger in your in your shirts yeah. and the bras. I was not used. I've never been a big chested woman ever yeah. in my life. I was always like a 32 B. To go from a B to a double D was insane. Yeah, exactly. I just I, I didn't recognize myself. Okay, so there was that. The other thing is how I would say in postpartum, you're just, your brain is going a million miles a minute. You know what I mean? Like before a baby, maybe you're just thinking about like, what am I going to make for dinner? Like, oh, I have this project at work. Like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. When you're in postpartum, you're like, okay, my baby's here next to me. Okay. Were they changed? Are they okay? What does this cry mean? Um, Okay. I need to feed them. You know, like just you're thinking of, uh, that's how, that's how I felt at least. How did you feel? I felt so different. Wow. I just felt like time stood still wow i felt of course you're you're like learning still and like i was i had that weird fear in the back of my head like i'm gonna fail at the breastfeeding but aside from that i just felt like time set was still and i just i couldn't stop just staring at her and loving her and I just wanted to shout from the rooftops like how amazing this is and how I almost missed out on this whole experience because I had decided like I wasn't going to have kids. And I mean, yeah, I just, I felt calm, a stillness that I was not expecting in those early days. Quick side note, I want to talk about a little hot topic item real quick. You just reminded mm. me. Mm-hmm. So I have a theory on women who say they like never want kids. And I too said that just like you did. Do you want to hear it? And then I want to hear your take. All right. Because now we're moms and we think very differently. So I think that it's natural, biologically speaking, for females, aka women, to want children and to become mothers, right? I think it's very, very common or women in their 20s, especially if they're going through like their Saturn return or they're single to say, almost like a defense mechanism to protect their hearts, like I don't want kids. And I, mm. I, I will tell you, every time I experienced a breakup, like because I had two very serious relationships in my 20s, after each breakup, I would tell myself and others, like, it's okay. Like, I actually don't want kids. Convincing myself I was going to live a happy, fulfilled life without kids. Now, but the truth is I always have known I was, I wanted to be a mom my whole life ever since I was a little girl. Like I've known that, but whenever I felt like sad or alone or like, oh, you know, I'm going to live this life alone. I would try to trick myself into thinking like life is better without kids, even though this is the thing I wanted. I will tell you there's, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to like put anyone on the spot, but there's only two women I actually know 
that I've known for a long time who I genuinely believe do not have that maternal instinct and like genuinely like they don't want to be moms. They wouldn't be good moms. However, every other woman I've ever spoken to who's like, yeah, I actually don't think I want kids. Like kids aren't for me. She she's not like fulfilled or totally happy. Like they're, they're going through shit. Like what's your theory on this? Hmm, that's an interesting perspective. I feel differently. Tell I me. knew, I knew I didn't want children and I never, even when I was young, I wouldn't play with like babies. Hmm. But you're the most maternal person it's I know. It's so weird so you now that I'm me. on the other side because right. I, and I also think, and may, who knows? I'd really have to unpack this one in therapy. But I just felt like I was too afraid to fuck it up hmm. because I had such a, you know, dysfunctional, broken relationship with my mom. My childhood was largely traumatic. I blocked out so much of it. I just felt like there's way too much to screw up. And then there could be this person roaming the earth hating me for mm -hmm. making the wrong choices or being a piece of shit human and blaming it on me. Like I just didn't want to risk it. I didn't have enough positive input and influence from a maternal figure to think like I could do that. What changed? Being in that relationship with Hunter. So, mm -hmm. and also I will say I had two or three serious boyfriends from college throughout, you know, my thirties. And not one of them could I ever picture being a father to a child. So I yeah. think that contributed too. And yes. it wasn't until, what, three years into the relationship with Hunter where I was like, dude, this man is different. And mm -hmm. just seeing him because kids would draw to us. They just mm -hmm. would. They would naturally kind of gravitate towards us. And I loved other people's kids. I felt like I could connect to children really well. And seeing Hunter do the same, I was like, hmm. That's cool. And then you know, it wasn't until we were married and we were like, God, there's so much love here. Would it be would it be silly to waste it? Yes. And then, it would be. Yeah. Two months later, we decided to go for it. So and That's then I'm on the other side and I'm looking at the notes I have in my little diary and I'm like, God, I can't believe I almost missed this because there yeah. are, this has given me such purpose. Like there's yes. so much love here and I feel like I'm championing yes. <laughs> doing being Ian's mom, you know? So Yeah. And okay. That is a really interesting perspective. And I appreciate you sharing that too, because mm -hmm. I was so dead set on that idea. And I never could envision you as someone who was childless or didn't want children. Like, because you, I, I watch how you go above and beyond for Eden, like you, you and Hunter providing her with the best in every single category, all the research mm -hmm. you do, the reading, everything. I just so love to love her. And I know, you know yeah. what that feels like. It just yes. feels like I, it's so fulfilling. And even the days that she really tries my last nerve mm -hmm. on the other side of that, I'm like, God, I love you. I couldn't yes. imagine life without you. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to circle back to that one with the therapist. But <laughs> getting back to the I'm early days. No, okay, back to the early days. The other thing I want to talk about, which I didn't expect to like knock me on my heels, was her losing her umbilical stump. Yes. Oh my god! Was that emotional for you? <laughs> 
I'm going to be honest with you. I was honestly ready for that thing to go because oh. I was, I was so paranoid that every time like we would put a little onesie on him, like I was accidentally going to like scratch it off. That mm. it, for me, it was more of a relief. I can, I can see where you're coming from. Like, oh, she's graduating to the next phase. It was sad. I when get that it. thing came off, I was like, oh, no. I still have it. I have it in a little Ziploc bag with the date that it fell off, and I have this little keepsake box for her. It probably stinks like shit, but. You're definitely going to be the mom who saves every single one of her baby teeth and, like, yes, labels. I bought, I bought a little thing that you holds all my teeth. I am right now. But I will say, to speak to the nerves about, like, messing with it, that happened. I don't know if it was, like, during sleep or whatever, but a little piece of it kind of ripped up mm. and I remember I when I went to the pediatrician I think it was like day five when you take him to the pediatrician I don't know but I, I know took her to a pediatrician and he like looked her over and I was like can you check on this I remember sending pictures to my midwife too I was like I think this is getting infected because it had just like pulled up a little bit prematurely and he put colloidal silver Oh, colloidal silver. Yes. Very colloidal healing. Silver. They do yeah, that on umbilical granulomas on. too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He put a little drop on that and she's fine. Yes. So, but that was an emotional silver. thing. I, I even wrote it in my little wow. journal. Like, I can't believe she lost it. It just made me cry. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. What are, all right. So what are the other things like we don't really think about? Mm. The heel prick. Did you get that? I did do that. Did you? Yes. I didn't to want me, to. What did they made someone make you? Yeah. It's like in the state of Georgia, we had to do it. No way. What happens yeah. if you don't? Does child protective services come? I don't know. It wasn't. You're like, I don't want to find you gotta, out. You gotta, you gotta do this. And I was really, oh, well, actually, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the pediatrician recommended it because they screen for like some crazy, crazy abnormalities or yes. So but. the the reason I was like fine with the heel prick is because it's just a little bit of blood that they're gathering. I, I, it's not like there's something going in their body or their bloodstream. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's good to have that insight. So for me, the benefits out, outweigh the risks, but I wouldn't judge a mom if she declined the heel prick either. Just know it and just know what you're getting yourself into, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. The Did Julian have gas like crazy? Yes, but it was more, he was never, I always heard about babies who are colicky and constipated. He was neither. He was very gassy and he had no problem pooping all the time. Okay. See, I think this is where Eden was the colicky. Really? Because, and I think it had to do with her latch. She was getting so much air. Yes. So she would be really gassy and, and you could just tell. Also, I think from the ties, like we talked about in another episode, she was just like very tight, like constricted. Yes. She didn't really like open and express her body. Um, so it wasn't until we got that release that we started to see a, so much of her personality change, but she had such terrible gas. Uh, she made her really uncomfortable. And of course, the only way she could communicate that was crying. So we did so many Wendy's. Did you ever have to do those? Are those the bicycle things with their legs? No. What are Wendy's? We did, we did the bicycle. We did all the tricks. The, the Wendy are like these little tubes that you put in their buttholes. No way. And you, you bicycle okay. them. Yeah, and it releases all the 
Oh my God. God. What what does the noise sound like? It's a whole range. Sometimes it's just air. Other times it's like hilarious farts. Other times it's live poop. No. What comes out? Oh my you didn't God. have to do any Wendy's? Oh my I've God. I've never we even like, heard of this until tonight. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I I couldn't do it. Hunter because, had to put it in? Yeah, our midwives recommended and even the pediatrician. They're like, if it's really becoming an issue, you can try this. And my mom told me that when I was young, she would, they didn't have Wendy's back then, but she would use a thermometer oh, to right. like ease the gas. But yeah, when, when we looked um, them up and we're like, you're supposed to put this where? As oh a woman, like I can't violate my daughter like this. Right. So did you do? Did he do coconut oil as like a yep. lubricant? Did the oh my oil. god! She, did, she was none the wiser. Didn't even seem to be bothered by it. But I made her do it. That is why he's gonna have fun time sharing those stories when she's <laughs> <Yeah>. old. <laughs> great, great memories. Yeah. Okay. That's wild. What um, about like? Okay, so food-wise, right, you get ravenous when you're breastfeeding in the early days. At least I, mm -hmm. I was so hungry breastfeeding. And also when people say like, oh, you're going to have no time when you have a baby. It's like, no, you're really going to have no time because you're, you're going to sleep whenever you can. And you're feeding on demand. So it's really good. You're just going to be lounging on the couch or on your bed next to your baby at all times cluster feeding. And because they're not efficient eaters when they're newborns, they could take 45 minutes for a feeding session. You're not going to be even sick. get 20 minutes. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're not going to be. Opposite. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, because, because of the size. Thinking latch. Yeah. I would just oh, get like my. seven minutes here, 10 minutes oh, there. Wow. So we were feeding a lot. Yeah. Wow. So what, what did you and Hunter do to prepare like food wise? Did you have some healthy postpartum meals frozen or like, were you doing takeout delivery? Was he? Listen, listen, <laughs> when you say healthy, I already know your version of healthy and like no. nutrient dense is a lot different. And so I just woke up to some of this stuff. We I'm had, so proud of you for it. Thank you. We did have really you know, good friends. We had our neighbors bring, um, but Hunter right away was like, in the kitchen whipping it up. So we had HelloFresh. Okay. Right. So we would make those. We had a couple of freezer meals. What I did make all the time were those, I'm sure you've seen, well, maybe you haven't. <laughs> They're like oatmeal protein balls. So I, I can imagine. Oats, you take protein powder, you know, oh, I yeah. put some chocolate chips in the air. Yeah. And yeah, just make those little protein balls. And so I would just pop those all the time. Yummy. I, so I had some stuff from the Lily Nichols Real Food for Pregnancy book. Like I had like the mm -hmm. maple pot de creme, chicken liver pate, wow. but, but you go through it. I thought I made so much. I went through it within like three days. Like I had the yeah. macaroons. So there was a lot of like wow. slow cooker meals that my mom would make. And then I basically printed out like three simple skillet recipes for Eric. And I was like, here you go. You can practice making these like they're simple enough. You know, he's really good at following a recipe to a T. I'm more like anti-recipe. I like to just, you know, use my intuition. So he would make those skillet recipes. But yeah, it's like you're not going to be standing in the kitchen just like no. whipping up a meal. There's really no time with a newborn. Weeks. I don't think I cooked for like five weeks. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. At least. Absolutely yeah. not. And there was not a peep, not a one complaint about it. Just, oh, yeah. Same. They just ran down and did it. Oh, In yeah. fact, I remember 
I think it was three days after Eden was born, because she was born in October, Hunter went down one day and just decorated the whole house for Halloween. That is so and, and the best amazing. Halloween decorations we've ever had. They were so cute. But just, like he just he just went and did. Yes. And I, I just felt so grateful that I had such a, a loving, supportive, and like the husband who had the initiative now. <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm like, hey, where was where who where's that guy? <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, I know that's so funny, right? But like our men, they really stepped up to the plate. And I have to tell you, there is someone from a much older generation, like think great grandparents generation, who mm. recently said kind of like an off-the-cuff remark of like, well, kind of like when you're like elbowing someone's, you know, stomach. Well, you know, the the women change all the diapers, or am I right? And I get mm -hmm. it because like they're from like a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? Like they're from literally. such a different world. Yeah, like almost quite literally. But Eric and I kind of just looked at each other. It's like, yeah, no. And our, you know, our husbands were changing literally all the diapers that first week. Now, does that mean that if a man changes every single diaper in the first eight days, like, oh my gosh, they deserve like a trophy? No, definitely not. But, you know, are, I think that's the difference between being married to a man versus a boy. And to mm. your point earlier, you're like, well, things look a little bit different when you become a parent when you're 32 versus 22. Can you mm -hmm. imagine knowing how immature a 22-year-old boy is? Can you imagine oh, being married to your average 22-year-old? I know there's someone out there listening who's like, well, I'm 22 and my husband's 21 and he's 21 going on 40. Sure, yeah. but that's the exception. So can you imagine like a 22 year old boy who wants to party and play beer pong with his friends. Who's like, wow, mm -hmm. this parenting thing is really freaking hard. Like, you know, we're at this age where we can appreciate these things and we know mm -hmm. that the, the, you know, date nights will come back in the future, but we're okay putting that stuff on pause for now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. A few other things before we wrap jaundice. Did Julian have jaundice? He did not. And I attribute that to breastfeeding minimum 12 to 14 times per day, around wow. the clock, 24 hours, um, and no vitamin K. We know that the vitamin K shot, one of the risk factors on the insert is jaundice. And we know that if babies aren't, so, you know, breast milk acts as like a natural laxative. So the more you're feeding the baby and they're pooping, right, mm -hmm. it's going to decrease the likelihood of, of getting jaundice. So I wasn't concerned with jaundice. What about with Eden? So when we went to the pediatrician that like first week, he had said there might be a slight, slight jaundice, but he's like, she's perfect. D nothing to worry about. And he said, mm. just go outside, just get outside yeah, and sit too. outside in the sun. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so we did. Yeah. The breastfeeding, I, I think she looked a little yellow when I'm looking back at pictures of her, but he just said to keep breastfeeding, make sure we're having frequent poops and get outside. So we would just go outside and I would hold her like in front of me and just let her rest in the sun. And yes, that natural phototherapy is so important. And that's why it's like, I'm always saddened when doctors in the mainstream system, before even recommending sunlight or mm -hmm. breastfeeding, they'll be like, Oh, put her under the, like what the Billy Rubin lights. Yeah. No, wow. absolutely not. Being well, separated that... is the worst. 
That's the other thing I think is so important for postpartum mood. So just improving your mood and also baby's health, reducing the likelihood of jaundice is getting that natural vitamin D, which is a hormone from the sun. Instead of being so overly reliant on vitamin D drops, getting that sunlight and everyone's so scared of the sun. Look, I I don't have fair skin or fair hair. So I understand there's like a real concern for people who burn easily like you. (laughs) But I will say, Getting sun that's not peak daylight sun. So before, they say before 10 a.m. and like after 2 a.m. is ideal. Being somewhat shaded, you're not like right in the middle of the sun, right in the heat of the day. If it's just even five to 10 minutes a day, that's all it takes for your mood, right? But also baby's health and your health. It's good for everything. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Let's see. We talked a little bit about the postpartum depression, but what I forgot to mention was that on day six after Eden was born, my cat, we had to put my cat down. Oh my God. Yeah. So it was like the first day I'd come downstairs because, you know, they say like five days in the bed and around the bed. Yeah. And I was not supposed to walk up and down the stairs because I was still healing and I still had my engorgement and all that. But anyway, I was like, I got to get out of here. You know, I got to take her outside and I just want to, I want to be outside. Yeah. And my, my cat was diabetic. So she had, she had been declining, but Mm. for the week that I had been, you know, posted up in the bedroom, I came back down and she just looked like a bag of bones. Like she just looked like she declined immediately. Like in that one week, And she wasn't an old cat by any stretch, but yeah, her diabetes just got the best of her. And she had Mm. like her flat feet. I forget what they call that, but you know, cats and dogs, they walk on their toes. Her Mm. plantigard, I think is what it's called. But anyway, her back feet were flat and she was just super thin. And so I, I, I took one look at her and I just started crying because you're an emotional wreck, like you're super sensitive. And so I called the vet who happens to be like a three minute drive away. And I said, you know, I just had my baby, but Kiki's not looking so good. She's like, all right, we'll bring her in and we'll figure out what's going on with her. And then I brought her in and she's like, April, I don't know how Kiki's still alive. Like she's naturally dehydrated. Yeah. She had kidney failure all in a six day period. And she was like, I don't even know how you made it here, but we're going to need to, she she basically was like, she's come to the end. So I had to make the call to put her down. Oh like talk about an emotional wreck, like welcoming new life and ushering out life. Seriously. Really crazy, crazy time. I can't even imagine the circle of life and not even one full week postpartum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very intense. Um, yeah. Oh, God, honey. We didn't talk about either the postpartum hair loss. So I remember yeah. my girlfriend had her baby a couple of weeks before mine, and she would text me and she'd be like, are you getting the hair loss? And I'm like, I'm naive. I'm like, it must be missing me because I'm not having it. I'm yeah. like, are you taking your prenatal? She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh. And then around month four, month five, it's like, boom, all your hair starts falling out. So did you experience Definitely. But I feel like from a lot of the women I've seen on Instagram, they usually have those baby hair bangs like that are 
around the perimeter, the like the crown, the halo. I never got that. For me, it was like deep within the trenches of my hair on the yeah. sides of my scalp. But yes. I knew it was hair loss from the massive clumps in the shower. Now, I do have a lot of hair that's really curly, so it was easy to conceal. But let me tell you, those clumps were like five times the size of my normal hair clumps. It was wild. What about yeah. for you? I just remember like putting my hand my hair in like a hand ponytail and just like raking through and just being like 30 strands come out and be like oh my god <laughs> and I would just like roll them up into balls and just have like these little hair balls everywhere <laughs> awesome. uh, so yeah so that will come and if you're expecting it don't expect it until week four or month or month, month four, four yeah. month five because yeah. it didn't really I was like, it's going to miss me. I must be so healthy. I must, it must be my placenta, you know? That's so funny. And I was like, I thought the same thing. Everyone was like asking me about it. I was like, yeah, no, I just have good hair genes. It's like, yeah, I still do. But I also have the hair loss. But don't worry if you haven't gone through it yet. Like your hair does grow back. It's not permanent. It doesn't like get worse usually. Well, so I heard from my hairstylist, and I'll have to try and remember this the way he said it, but basically he's like, it's not hair loss. What happens right. when you're taking all those prenatals and you're pregnant, like all of the hairs that you normally would shed stay. That's what I've heard too. It's like yeah, re so it's your body's rebalancing after pregnancy to your yeah. like original state. It's like an illusion. Yeah. Right. So all that thick, like lustrous hair that you had before – it's just that stuff. It's like the ones that were supposed to shed, but hung on. Those ones are just coming out. Yes. So I have to, so I have to ask too. I still have not had my period returned. What about you? Mm -mm. No, I was wondering that today. I was doing the math. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be almost two years. Yeah. My last right? period was October of 2021. It is, as of this recording, it is, oh my gosh, it's May, May. of 2023. And so I have a girlfriend who breastfed and pumped. So she wasn't an exclusive breastfeeder, but breastfed and pumped and was a working mom. And she was breastfeeding her baby past like the 12 month mark. And I think her first period returned at 13 or 14 months postpartum. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to think of like the latest I've ever heard. I think the honestly, the latest I've ever heard is maybe 15 months postpartum, the period Listen, returning. I don't miss it one bit. I don't miss it either. I've also heard that the first couple of periods or two to three cycles can be really wonky and like different but when your period is heavier or lighter. It, it depends. It can be heavier. It can be lighter. It can be short. Mm -hmm. It can be long. Maybe PMS mm -hmm. symptoms, maybe not. So... What's weird though is I do feel like despite not having a period bleed, I do feel like there are times where I feel like I am PMS, like that emotional side of the PMS where you just feel mm. like maybe your trigger, you just, your patience is a little thinner, you know what yeah. I'm saying? You're a little more irritable, mm -hmm. like easily triggered. Like I feel like I've experienced that where I'm like, hmm, I wonder if this is when I would be having a period if I were still doing that. Yeah, interesting. Par for the course with the stages our babies are in, at least True for me. True enough. True <laughs> enough, yeah. When would you say you stopped feeling the postpartum? Like when did you when would you say you were finally out of that? Okay, so different stages. The first time I got out of the funk, I want to say 
it was when I graduated out of the diapers because I feel like the diapers reminded me of just like my immobility being in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So like once I, the moment I was able to like the Lokia stopped officially, which after a C-section is much quicker than after a vaginal birth. Yes. The L-O-C-H-I-A, the bleeding that happens. Oh, yes. Part. Okay. Okay. So once the, the Lokia stopped at... I think it was five weeks for me and I was able to put on my underwear again. I was like, okay, cool. Like I feel more like myself. Then another stage was like 12 weeks postpartum. I was exercising, like not just doing the Peloton, like 10, a 10 minute slow ride. I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. I can do squats and lunges with like my five pound dumbbells. Like I'm taking really long, you know, power walks for 45 minutes. So and I felt more independent because this is crazy, but I want to hear your take too. Mm. I didn't feel comfortable enough to go on a solo drive with Julian, like so without Eric in the car mm. until Julian was 12 weeks old. Wow, because you were nervous that something dangerous or something scary would happen? Yes, I was nervous. I was nervous about like maybe weirdos approaching us. So I did have some intrusive thoughts there. I was like, oh, what if I'm out with him and there's just like a weirdo who's approaching us? You know the type. Mm -hmm. And maybe like what if I can't run fast enough, right, because I'm still healing or hmm. I, I just felt like I needed the extra support. I don't know. But then ironically, the very first trip we ever took when it was just me and him was a 30-minute drive to Whole Foods in Tampa. It's like it sounds about you, right. Right. You would think I would just drive five minutes away, but it was 30 minutes. How so how many weeks postpartum were you the first time you took a solo drive with Elon Eden? Mm. I don't even know the answer to that. I mean, we were in the car to go see the midwives like after a week. They didn't come to your house? They did she did two days after Eden was born. And then it was like a two-week check-in where we went to the office. Mm. And then it was a six-week check-in where we went to the office. But I can't recall the first time I went alone somewhere. Well, yeah, because I wanted to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I was just like, I want to feel normal again. I just going to want to go. Yeah. Like carry a Starbucks through Target. <laughs> yeah. But I can't recall how how old she was at that point. But I will say the bleeding. So I know it was different for you because you had your cesarean. So I imagine like the Kia was different, like healing time for that. But I remember they tell you not to like go walking around or yeah. long for two weeks. And yes. I was just eager to like get out. So when we went to the pediatrician after week one, I was like, let's go to lunch and let's go shopping downtown. And we started to do that walking stuff. And oh, then I no. get home and I just have the biggest bleed. Oh. Like a clot. Oh, like, my like golf ball size. And I remember being like, something's wrong. And I texted a picture. So talk about like... <laughs> you know, TMI, I'm sending my diaper full of like blood clots oh, to my midwife and being like, is this normal? And she's like, did you go walking? Or did she you knew. Get out of the house today? I was like, yeah. She's like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, go right. back to bed. Yeah. So yep. That nah. was nature's reminder of like, don't push it. 
Yes, because, you know, there's like a wound essentially left that's like the size of an entree-sized plate from where your placenta was. So that has to heal. Yeah. And that's also stuff that they don't really reinforce, you know, and we're not thinking about these things when we're pregnant, like, oh, I'm really going to really have to take it easy, which is hard when we're used to living such active lives. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about CrossFit active. I'm talking about just let's take a walk to the stop sign down the street and like go to the Mm -hmm. local coffee shop. Like there's none of that those first couple of weeks. No, no, no. And when you are walking for me, it was like a waddle, especially because you have like, you know diaper sized pads and uh-huh. underwear and stuff. So that was, that was crazy a week yep. into the, but yeah, I think for me postpartum, I feel like I finally just kind of got out of that. Like just recently. Yeah. Re- okay. Really? Tell Maybe me like more. Six months. Well, I feel, so my postpartum, I, I don't even want to call it depression, but my, my nature, my disposition was this overwhelming sense of I was very sensitive, but this call to like nurture all of humanity and like any baby I saw in public that was, you know, not to my standards of like, she's, she's feeding her a bottle or, you know, I, I see him swaddled. I just wanted to rescue all the babies. And now Eden gets like, a bottle for the record. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. I just remember feeling like this instinct of like, I have to save all the babies, like all the babies deserve the kind of love that I'm giving Eden. You know, you just have this like very (laughs) single pane of view perspective. So there was that. And then when it was time to, to end maternity leave, I just remember really, and I think you and I talked about that ad nauseum, but it was just like, I'm not ready. And I can't believe mothers have to do this. Like, this is crazy. So I remember really battling that and being really emotional of having to like weigh the decision to go back to work. And so now that I'm, you know, what, two or three months after maternity leave, I feel like I'm finally on the other side. I have some perspective that what I was in was a postpartum thing. It, I, I don't know that it was a depression, but a sensitivity for sure. So I feel like I'm just now kind of getting out of that and focusing on my own baby and <laughs> you know, not trying to take over everybody else's parenting. But I remember, yeah. okay, one other thing. Um, yes. The Handmaid's Tale. Uh-huh. One of my favorite shows. Obsessed. Well, do not, as a disclaimer, do not watch that postpartum. Yeah, because no. there was an episode where, and even just seeing babies in shows and movies made me sad. Like they mm. would cry. And I was just like, that baby's trying to tell you something. That baby needs its mom or whatever. <laughs> and you're just using it as a prop essentially. But yeah. there there was a woman who she wasn't the biological mom to this baby. And she had just pretended to like try and nurse her. Oh, gosh. And I just so disturbing. This, it was so disturbing. I just cried. I was like, this is disgusting. I can't watch it. Yeah. Just no, I agree. Of acting like you're, it could have been a prosthetic boob or whatever, but you're putting that in the baby's mouth. Like that's heartbreaking. So, okay. Actually, that quickly reminds me, and I know we're, we're almost up here, but I used to love disturbing, scary movies. Like when I was Mm-mm. way, way, way too young and I shouldn't have watched it, I saw The Shining and I was obsessed. I'm talking nine years old. I'm not exaggerating. So I always had a penchant for scary movies, mm. anything Stephen King, anything like Stanley Kubrick, you name it. 
the moment I became a mom, and this really surprised me, they say that your brain literally changes when you become a mom. I can absolutely see that because Eric can tell you too, I really, I don't want to see scary movies. I don't want to be disturbed. Like I, I used to want to be disturbed when I saw a movie. Like I wanted something mm-hmm. provocative. I just want feel good movies. That's mm-hmm. it. Especially when you're postpartum, you just want to feel good. Yes. Yeah. And even now, 10 months postpartum, I'm like, I actually, we just tried our first sort of disturbing, scary movie. It was kind of a flop. It was the movie, I think it was called X. I think it's an A24 film. Love A24. It wasn't a great movie, but um, <laughs> I would just now, almost a year postpartum, I'm able to start to go back to my old cat scary movie ways. No, I've never. I'm the opposite. I hate scary movies. I hate scary things. I've never liked it. And I will definitely not be watching any of that. I hate Halloween. I hate the month of October when all the scary shit usually comes out. Like, I hate it. Oh, damn. See, I I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. Mm -mm. I love being spooked. You don't like being spooked at all? No. Mm -mm. Not even a little bit. I was also very much traumatized by my older siblings. Like they do scary things to me. And so, no, I just hate hate that feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Not fun. Oh, God. Okay. Did we capture it all? I mean, there's always more to capture. The emotional state, the mental state. Physical state. We talked about the boobs, the pelvic floor. You're going to look pregnant for, I mean, look, everybody's different. I looked pregnant for a really long time after. I still look pregnant. I'm wondering if I am pregnant. Girl, you please (laughs) shut up. You do not look pregnant. Oh, my God. Uh, I hate the way my body looks right now, but I've always had that issue. Okay, you Uh, you look hot. I just saw this girl in St. Pete. You were looking fine. But here's the thing is like, our bodies aren't designed to be softer in motherhood. And, yeah. and you know, let me tell you the truth. You're going to be so busy and have so little time that all the, the ways you obsessed about your body in your 20s, like looking for perfection, you're not going to have the bandwidth for that as a mom. And that mm-hmm. is okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Although, how much weight did you gain? way too much. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I'll be honest. I didn't. The last time I hopped on a scale in pregnancy was 28 weeks pregnant. I had already put on like 40 pounds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so like I, I gained 50, so that's fine. That's you're also fine. like five foot 11, right? Yep. I'm five foot two. So 50 pounds yeah, on a 511 frame is different. way, way different. I'm nine inches shorter than you, but, dude, but I remember being like three days, four days in and losing 20 pounds like that. Right. Because think about the I, blood loss, the placenta, yes. the water weight, your baby. baby. Yeah, so boobs. But dude, I, I was, was a good, dude, I was three sizes bigger from head yeah. to toe than my normal size. And you know, it's insane now. This is so crazy. I thought to myself like, oh my God, that's it. It's over. I put on well over the recommended amount of weight. I know where I went wrong. I won't do it for baby two. But I actually thought to myself, like, I'm, this is so crazy, but I was like, I'm permanently going to be 20 pounds overweight, like the Mm -hmm. rest of my life, because I thought to myself, I'm not, I have no time to exercise or get in shape. But, Mm -hmm. But here's the truth. We, we know that so much more of it is food intake diet. versus your, yeah, it's your diet versus your movement. Obviously, you, you can't be like the whale, like Brendan Fraser and the whale. You have to move your body, but you can't burn off a bad diet. So, and 
what's crazy is I'm so much more active as a full-time mom to Julian, mm-hmm. as opposed to when I was working and then trying to squeeze in CrossFit workouts, right? I was stronger then. Like I could lift, I could do crazy things, but I am now 10 to 15 pounds lighter than my weight at when I, right before I got pregnant with Julian, not because I tried, I actually am shocked I'm at this size in case it's like triggering to anyone listening. I'm not going to say like the number on the scale, but what I can say is this, I do think breastfeeding plays a huge role in burning calories, literally chasing after a very mobile child, constantly doing squats and lunges with a 20 pound baby. You will see walking every day. Stroller walking every day, 45 minutes to an hour, seven days a week. But like I said, it's food intake. So I've never, I'm, I'm a huge breakfast person. I'm not one to skip meals. I don't have time to snack. I do have snacks. I barely have time to do it. And meals are super simple, light and healthy and small. I do not have time to sit around and just chow down. And mm-hmm. we don't have time to go to restaurants. So it's all being cooked at home. But I am the lightest I've been in four years. Am I the wow. strongest or fittest? No. That's honestly where I Different really, kind of strength. Different kind of strength. But okay. Well, what about for you? Like what's the, how's the weight fluctuations been, you know, postpartum, body image, all of that? I've always really struggled with body image. I think I might have some slight like dysmorphia because even mm-hmm. when I look back when I thought I was overweight, I'm looking back and being like, oh, you look pretty good. But mm-hmm. right before I got pregnant, I was at my fittest, like you were super cut. lean, six pack, like looking great. And I'm about 20 pounds heavier than that now. So I lost, I gained 50 I lost, you know, 30 and I'm just hanging out here. <laughs> but you know what? You saw how Soft. quickly. I'm softer. Yeah. You know what? You saw how quickly you were able to lose those 30. And honestly, the weight thing is wild to me because I I truly would be happy and fine being 10 pounds heavier, 15 pounds heavier than I am now. That's what I intended. But let me tell you, once they're mobile, like I feel like Eden, Eden's about to like sprint. Th- this girl's all, she's been standing. She's like, mom, I don't need to crawl. I'm going to run. When yeah. you're chasing after her, I, there's the next 10 pounds. And yeah. then when you're like running across the street to go get her, there's the next 10 pounds. I'm t- not that that should be the goal. I'm just saying. But I'm also with you. With Luz, our nanny, I'm not doing the stroller walks every day. So I need to be getting out and doing that with her. Mm-hmm. I, I swear, just do do a morning or evening stroller walk. Maybe you and Hunter and Eden go. It's, yeah, I, I want to have more time to have, have more sit down proper. Like I used to do these elaborate lunches and dinners. And lately the lunches have been like a turkey, arugula, cheddar sandwich, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the the weight thing is interesting. I've had ma- massive, massive fluctuations. I used to just go up and down like five pounds here, 10 pounds there. But over the last year, I've gone, it's been a span of three to four sizes. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah, dude. Don't recommend yeah. it. Don't recommend Don't it, moms. Recommend. Don't yeah. do it. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for those moms who like those bounce back moms who like get back into the gym and they're lifting weights and doing all these things. I'm like, yo, I haven't even touched my toes <laughs> in, <laughs> in months. Like, and Dude. I used to do yoga all the time. So I, that's the, that's one of those things that's like nagging in the back of my brain. Like April, just go do it. 
just do it. You'll feel so much better. Just do a yoga flow. It just takes one to get you back into it. But that's for my next, my next version. That's but, for our next rant. No, but yeah. I, I know the feeling that I think the same. All right. Well, I think we covered all the things we can for postpartum. Hopefully this isn't a boring episode, but rather informative and Eden's awake. So I, okay. I'm going to go feed her. Yes. But it is that time. Yes. Thank you for hopping on as always. Yes. Goodbye, mamas. All right. We'll talk to you soon.